Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Wednesday. It is December 6th. Hope everybody is doing well. The Milwaukee Bucks are telling you why they are the best team in the NBA. You just got to pay attention to it. We'll talk about the Bucks and the Knicks. Five things to know. I also want to talk about Giannis's ringer rating. Uh, we'll also get into the Green Bay Packers and why I am completely spooked of the hangover game. We're also going to talk about the Packer playoff hunt. But before we get going, social media, tap the keg on Twitter, tap the keg sports, Instagram, as well as TikTok. Make sure you're tapped in there. Uh, Facebook as well, uh, if that's sort of your jam. Uh, if you're already doing the socials, if you found us from social media, awesome, welcome. We do pods four times a week. We're doing five this week because of the NBA and college basketball schedules. And that said, uh, you were on Apple, we're on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. So make sure you're dialed in there. And if you're already doing all those things, you know what to do. Leave a review, drop this in a group chat. I feel like we have good conversations. We gave you nearly three hours of Wisconsin sports content the last two days. It will not be that long the next few, few days, but I will promise you, you're still going to get all the same great content. This is a fiver for the week for the people. That is what I bring to you. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and why I am so I can buy all the stock. The Milwaukee Bucks are giving you Easter eggs. And what I mean by that is they're telling you that they are going to be the best team in the NBA at the end of the season. I feel pretty confident in that. I feel that if the Bucks don't have any injuries, they are going to figure everything out and it's all going to come together. And I think that they have been hinting at it through the in-season tournament games. The Milwaukee Bucks have not lost an in-season tournament game. The only one where they played with their food a little bit was Washington. But other than that, they have straight up dominated those games. Even the Knicks game that was close, the Bucks were in control. Miami was the only one where maybe things had kind of gone off the rails, but the clutch time Bucks came up in said clutch time again. So I look at this and I believe that the Milwaukee Bucks are in that upper echelon and the top of that echelon. Now I know you're going to say, well, Charlie, Denver Nuggets, the Boston Celtics. Uh, all right. First of all, with the Nuggets, I think that the Nuggets are good, but at some point winning the championship wears on a team. The target on your back gets too much. They've had some injury issues. Jokic at some point will wear down. Maybe he won't. Maybe he's superhuman. But I'm telling you, there is a reason why there's not been many repeat champs in the NBA. It is a really hard thing, in especially in today's NBA. I think when LeBron and Steph were doing it, that was a watered down version. This league is really fucking good. And if you want to have that reason why, look at the in-season tournament beyond just the Milwaukee Bucks, the Indiana Pacers, the New Orleans Pelicans, those teams being in there tells you how deep this league is. And I don't think it would surprise anybody in the real playoffs if the Pelicans or Pacers are in the second round of the big dance. So that to me is one reason to say, well, we can't just write in the Nuggets. Nuggets are very good. The Nuggets are right there in that top tier. And probably the Boston Celtics, given the talent that they have on that roster. But Boston has some real issues in the half court. Boston can't really score in the half court. There's way too much 
I have to be the guy. And instead of it being team basketball, they they do not look at like a united front. And Chris Tapps Porzingis was not there in the game against Indiana. And that's the excuse that the Boston Media Mafia will likely use. But how do we know Chris Stapps is going to be there in May? He's never really had that long of a season. He's never had a playoff moment. What's your favorite Chris Stapps Porzingis playoff moment? Can you do you know of one? Does that exist? So, and, and yeah, there's others. Philadelphia, but Embiid's maybe the biggest choker this side of James Harden that we've seen in a long time. There's Minnesota, again, a young upstart. The Pacers, a young upstart. We have so much NBA to go that some of these young upstarts could miss the playoffs, could you know fall off the rails for God knows what reason, or could still be at top. Orlando Magic's another team that we haven't mentioned, but it's hard to take those teams seriously until we know that they are officially in the dance or that they are a real, real team. And I think by 50 games, we'll probably have that idea. We'll probably know at that point. But when I come it back to the but when I bring it back to the box, I think what we saw tonight against one of the best, if not the best defense in the NBA, and you put 146 points on them, should be a massive warning shot to the rest of the league. Should be a holy shit moment. When this team figures it out, look out. They are kind of just sort of, I don't want to say going with through the motions because that would be disrespectful. I do think against some of the bad teams, they definitely go through the motions. Yet they're all starting to figure it out. And remember, this is not the full version of the Milwaukee Bucks. You do not have Jay Crowder right now. You do not have Pat Connaughton. You do not have Andre Jackson Jr. You're playing with a limited bench and Adrian Griffin is managing that, I think, pretty well. And yeah, you're putting a lot more strain on the starters. But if we want to do Bud and Griff comparisons... Bud would have kept the 32 minutes and relied more on that bench. And Griffin has not done that. And that's been a huge win for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's been a huge positive for Milwaukee in the last few weeks. And so I think that this that actually has helped the team gel a little bit quicker because they're playing more minutes together. They're figuring it out. The numbers for the starters for Milwaukee are off the charts right now. And again, that's another Easter egg to tell you how good this team can be. And when you play it out, their ceiling is the top. And that's very exciting. Now, we have to keep our composure. There are going to be good games. There are going to be bad games. Giannis talked about that uh, with Jared Greenberg after the game. He's like, we're going to have games where we look great. And we're going to have games where we do not look good. Absolutely. It's an 82-game season. We can't treat it like the Packers where every game deserves a overreaction and a dissertation on what Adrian Griffin did wrong because that's just that's just not sustainable that's not to me the way you should watch and enjoy this team this team is as fun of a fucking team that we've had in maybe our lifetime in terms of just it's kind of resembling like the 2011 Packers or the 2014 Packers or even the late stage 2010 Packers or the 90s Packers if you guys are old enough to remember those teams like that's the kind of fun that we are having with this team and weirdly now with the Buck or uh, the Packers playing well and they are also fun we're just having a good fucking time watching watching basketball and football if Marquette gets off the mat tonight against Texas I'll be having the most fun 
that I've had in a while as a sports fan. So I look at this all and I just know that at the end of the day, when the chips are down, if as long as everybody stays healthy, that being Giannis, Dame, Middleton, Brooke, I, the Bucks are going to be at the top. And I don't know if they're going to be the top seed in the NBA in the Eastern Conference. They play with their food a lot. They they this they they kind of refuse to beat up on the bad teams, and that's that's frustrating. I I, I agree. I'm not not disagreeing. There are faults of this team. But when if they would it really surprise any of us, given what we saw tonight against one of the best defenses in the league, I remind you, 146 points, a 71 to 50 second half, which we're gonna touch on a little bit later. Would it surprise anybody if they went on like a heat-like run? You know, the Heat won 27 games. It was pretty incredible. I don't think they'd get to 27. I think today's NBA, there's just too much variance. Again, it's a better league, what we just talked about earlier. But would it surprise you if the Bucs got 10 to 15 wins in a row or had a win, had, had an undefeated month or something like that in January or February for that matter, which is a shorter month, yes. But you get my point, right? The Bucs could go absolutely off and go nuclear. And then all of a sudden, all these blog boys, all these podcasters are suddenly waking up and being like, the Bucs are must-see TV. That should hopefully be the takeaway. I know that a lot of media members, Nick Friedle, Tim Bontemps, shout out to ESPN, the mothership, just annoyed that they do not get Nick's Celtics or that they did not get Celtics Bucks. You got the Bucks and the Pacers. You got an old Midwest rivalry. Big back the days of Rick Smith's versus Irvin Tragic Johnson. Those were awesome series, by the way. Bucks Pacers played like, I think it was three playoff series. Bucks lost all of them. Uh, Pacers were good. Did they lose all of them? Yeah, I think they did. I don't think they, they didn't play them in 2020, 2001 because that was the Magic, the Hornets, and the Sixers before losing to the Sixers because of David Stern. Uh, which, look at your boy there. Uh, that's that's just knowledge, right? And then I'll forget like something my wife told me like two hours ago. Uh, but anyways, uh, it, it'll be a fun game. I mean, the over-under is probably going to be like 257, 258. And I, I don't know. I don't know where I'll go. I took the under in the uh, Celtics, Celtics Pacers game worked out. I did it also for the Bucs. It did not work out. Uh, should have went with the Lakers one. And it's it's just, it, man, this is going to be a lot of fun this winter. So my advice to you, even if you're maybe not the biggest Griff guy, okay? Maybe you are not an Adrian Griffin fan. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Have fun, man. This is going to be great. And, I, and I'm telling you this right now. By April, everybody's going to be slotting in the Bucks to play Denver or the Bucks to play the Lakers or the Bucks to play the Timberwolves as the NBA Finals. Know that, feel that, believe that. All right, let's go on to stay with Milwaukee, stay with the Bucks. It's Bucks Wednesday uh, with five things to know from the Bucks Knicks game. As we mentioned, Bucks won 146 to 122, giving you some Billy Mike box score here. I like that actually, the Billy Mike box score. Box scores by Billy Mike. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, Bill Michaels. Uh, I, I don't want to call him a legend because he's not. He, a guy who's just done a lot of radio <laughs> in his day. 
uh, is, was famous for just reading box scores. And it, it was pretty evident that Billy didn't actually watch the games except Packer games. Uh, but anyways, uh, Giannis had 35, 10, and 8. Uh, those 10 actually mean assists, not rebounds. Uh, Dame, 28, 7 assists for him. Uh, he made five threes. Uh, Malik Beasley had 18 uh, with six threes. Uh, those were the top scorers. Chris Middleton with 14 uh, and seven assists. So look at that, just really quick. And this wasn't even in my, my notes, but Giannis, Middleton, Dame combined for 24 of Milwaukee's 32 assists. Think about that for a second. Those are your three best players. And they are giving, what, 75% of the assists are coming from them? That's pretty fucking good, you guys. That That's how you know this is a team kind of starting to learn how to play with each other. Uh, the big stat of the night was obviously the Bucs. 60% from the field, 60% from three, 23% made threes. You can call it an outlier game if you want, but I'm telling you, this was, this was just a team that was on an absolute mission to get to Vegas. Uh, first thing to know from this, speaking of those numbers, the Bucs put up numbers against the Knicks that were last seen by Wilt Chamberlain. That is rarefied air. When you're talking about Wilt Chamberlain stats, which are some of the most grandiose number stats that we have in, you know, it, it really in sports, right? Because they're just so absurd. Uh, Knicks have not, have basically, the, this was the first time the Knicks have given up 37 points in each of the thirst three quarters since Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. That is absolutely incredible. If you're doing that, again, this goes back to the first thing we talked about, the warning shots. They are all there. And remember, this Knicks team is not a bunch of slubs. This is not a Knicks team that's the Pacers, right? And no disrespect to Indiana, who we're playing tomorrow, but like they, they're not a good defensive team. And, and so the, it, there is a stark difference here. So the fact the Bucs are doing that is absolutely incredible. Damian Lillard saved this game in the second quarter for the Bucs with 13 straight. Look, if you want a turning point in this game or like a game where this flipped, it was really the Damian Lillard, you know, kind of scoring barrage in the late second quarter. Giannis got into foul trouble, right? And this is another moment where compare last year to this year. And when Giannis would get the foul trouble early on in the game, and it was one of those games where it was Giannis and nobody else, the Bucs would go silent. They'd get down 10 because nobody could fucking score. Now you have Damian Lillard out there. And Damian Lillard found his three-point stroke and got 13 straight points. And the Bucs were up by three heading into the break. Like... That was such a major moment because the Knicks were cooking. The Knicks were, had a really good second quarter and did everything they could to stay in that basketball game. And yet, Damian Lillard was able to score enough to push the Bucs ahead and kind of give them that springboard heading into the third quarter. So that was an extremely important part of the Bucks' victory. I know that we'll look at the threes, we'll look at what they did in the second half, but don't forget that this game was tight for a little bit and Damian Lillard had a huge part in bringing 
you know, the Bucks sort of, I wouldn't even say to life, but basically picked up the slack for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Damian Lillard, I think, I want to talk about this probably another time, but I, I think it's really fascinating to kind of look at Damian Lillard's stats. And they're a little less than what he did in Portland, but I, I think he's kind of okay, not necessarily being the guy every night. And then there are times where he's like, all right, I got to be the dude. And he does it. And, and he knows he has that in the back pocket. He knows if he needs to bring that out, it's there for him. Number three, the Bucks flip defense for offense. What do I mean by that? This is very interesting from Justin Garcia, the uh, Bucks radio network analyst. I guess that's what they call him. Uh, since November 3rd, the Bucks have had an offensive rating, which we're all obsessed with talking about these days, uh, 120 over 100, which is third in the NBA. Their defensive rating is 114.4, which is 13th. They have an overall net rating of third. Last year at the same time, or I think this was last year total, uh, cumulative, the Bucks' offensive rating was 15th, their defense was fourth, and their overall net rating was fifth. So it's exactly the same. You just flipped offense to defense, or defense to offense, there you go. What does that mean? I think that might tell you about what John Horst noticed with this team. That this team was kind of offensively inept. That this team relied too much on Antetokounmpo and put too much on his shoulders that they needed someone like Damian Lillard to come in and help Antetokounmpo. And they knew that they would be sacrificing defense, but if it worked out in the way that they hoped, you might not need defense. Now, I know what some critics would say, Charlie, in the playoffs, you always need defense. Defense matters. You have seven games. You figure it out. The Bucs can kill you in a lot of different ways. And I just wonder if that's part of it. Now, we'll see. And maybe the defense will come. If all of a sudden, you know, in March, we're starting to see really the Bucks' defensive rating creep up to 10 or, or 9, then we got something there. I'd have to look back and see what... I mean, we could look actually, we could do it now. Because Denver, I mean, Denver was never really known, quote unquote, for their defense. What was that? what was Denver's defensive rating last year? I can tell you that. That would that would be interesting, right? To kind of get a snapshot of what we saw with the Denver Nuggets last year. And maybe this is a new trend in the NBA, right? Maybe it's just at that point, there's a little bit of a new trend. Okay, this is interesting. The Denver Nuggets were 15th. What was their offensive rating? Want to bet it was top five? Yep, you bet. It was five. So Denver came in, even though they were the top overall seed in the West, they were a six net rating. The Cavs were number two. Uh, the Sixers were three. The Grizzlies were four. Bucks were five. Denver was six. John Horst is a sneaky motherfucker. I, don't, I think we all know that. And I'm starting to wonder if John Horst thought, saw what Denver did and basically was like, okay, we need more offense. This is where the way the NBA is going. This is the way the NBA is trending. And we need to kind of counteract that and we need to get ahead of the curve. So that's why they got rid of Drew and got Dame Lillard. It's interesting. That, that's one I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably chew on. I'm probably gonna plant myself in that take. I'll probably say that take a hundred times on the podcast. You'll hear it time and again. 
But I, I, I think we might have found something here, you guys. I love when that happens when we do these shows, by the way, where we're just kind of investigating shit and all of a sudden we find our answer. Uh, it's beautiful. I also would like to declare myself a Malik Beasley guy. I fucking love Bees. Uh, I'm starting to think Bees might be... You know, obviously, no one is Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? But like Bees might be one of my favorite dudes. Like I love the Bees shimmy. Uh, I love his ability to shoot threes. Uh, he's 47% on spot-up three-point attempts this year for the Bucks. Another performance of four more threes. I joke that campaign would be in the three-point contest. I think Meek Beasley's definitely going to be in there. His numbers have been just terrific of late. He, he, oh, God, he shot 15 threes against Chicago. He, yikes. So Portland where he also shot 11 threes, who's hung over, it was his birthday that day, but he, so since the Portland game, he's had, he made four, four, five, four, six. Beasley's just been in a fucking zone right now. I do worry about him in Vegas. I do want to talk about that at the, at the tail end here. Uh, but yeah, I am a Malik Beasley guy. I am all in on that dude. I think his defense, yeah, is lacking, but what he does offensively, I think it's, it's hard to put a price on that. He's your fifth guy on your team, and he's pretty damn good who they signed him for the veteran minimum. Again, John Horse. Lastly, I said this uh, earlier, but the Bucs won the second half 70 to 51. 51 points in, a, in two halves is pretty, pretty damn good, right? Like, we want to be mad about this defense, and they gave up 122, but they gave up under 30 in the third and the fourth quarter. They had 27 and 26. That's, that's impressive. That's good stuff. Again, that's stuff that's going to get you home. That's going that's stuff that's going to win you basketball games. And it was a little pseudo closing time. It was kind of like, all right, we're done fucking around. Let's not make this a fourth quarter clutch time situation. And let's kind of bring sort of that clutch time earlier in the game. I said that on the podcast, what was that? I think it was Monday where I was like, they just did it, you know, in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. It was kind of my thing. It was my pitch to them. It's like, yeah, you can kind of sag in those two. They sagged in the second. And then in the third, they were like, all right, nope, we're done fucking around. This is a bad matchup for the Knicks. The Knicks do not want to see the Bucs in, in their part of the bracket in the playoffs. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. I know Julius Randle had a great game tonight, but he's not going to have that out-of-body experience. Uh, that, that was just kind of an anomaly from Julius Randle. And he was getting every fucking call like he was prime Jordan. And so, yeah, I'm not, not buying that in the slightest. Lastly, uh, before, I do want to talk about the ringer thing uh, too. But before we, we finish with the Knicks stuff, so in-season tournament set, it's Bucks, Pacers, and Lakers, Pelicans. I mean, I think it's kind of house money in terms of, no pun intended, being at Vegas, uh, for if the Bucks were to advance. Because you get Bucks lakers you get a finals-like matchup between Giannis and LeBron, which we've never got. It's likely we will never get. And that, that rating would be absolutely massive for LeBron and Giannis. That would be, that's easily what the NBA wants. Like if you're having a beer with Adam Silver, I don't think Adam Silver drinks beers. Like I, I that'd be a guy that'd be really well. Adam Silver would pr- probably be like a mead dude. Like he'd like meads. Um, I, I could see him maybe being a pastry pastry sour kind of guy. 
but not like an IPA guy. Like I think that would weird me out if Ab Silver was a big IPA guy. But anyways, if you're having a drink with him and he, you're talking to him and you're like, what do you want? And he's like, I want Giannis LeBron. That's exactly like you can sell the shit out of that. People are going to tune in Saturday night for Giannis LeBron. And knowing that I have an event at 8 o'clock that, that, that night, it will be Giannis LeBron. Because that's that's how the world likes to torment me sometimes. Although, no bas- no football the next day with no Packers, so maybe I just watch back. Uh, I will likely do that. Uh, and Or you could have Giannis versus Zion. Now, Giannis versus Zion, I don't think is going to put asses in the seat like LeBron will. But I, I still think that that's a fascinating matchup. I also think they're both good matchups for the Bucs. Uh, so you have that going for you. So yeah, I, I, I like what you, you have the opportunity. Obviously the Indiana side, Indiana, New Orleans is a complete nightmare for the in-season tournament. I will guarantee if Indiana beats the Bucs, they will do everything in their power to get LeBron in there. I, you just, just know. Just know that they will make sure LeBron gets there. If Giannis wins, I don't know if they will they will gear the referee towards towards Braun and the boys. And then, I mean, to watch a like a championship level game with LeBron, it will probably drive everybody crazy on Saturday night. So uh yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh we will certainly talk about it after Thursday and recap uh Bucks Pacers, which is early, uh, which that's I guess the last thing on this whole thing. Well, I, I did worry about the boys in Vegas. I, I guess, hopefully, I would assume they're flying out tomorrow. They get to sleep at home. Like, they they are going to fucking party. We have, a, we have a bunch of parties. We have a party team. And we haven't had one of those in a while. And you know Beasley and Dame are going to be in the VIP rooms at Spearman Rhino just living it the fuck up. Like, I, that's, I have that minus 300. Uh, for for Vegas, but what was I gonna say? I won't. Oh, the start time. It's four o'clock. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, I I, I bitched about this earlier, but like, I understand you want to try to compete, not compete with football. I want to. I understand that there is an international audience that you want captured because if you play the game at four o'clock, that means that London gets the game at eleven, right? It's still on at the pubs in London. And you still get, uh, you know, a good amount of that European audience. I wonder if eight o'clock you get some of China and you get some of Japan, and and that kind of is beneficial to those to the Asian, you know, international markets. And I understand it's a global game, and I, I get all of that. But at the end of the day, you're hurting your end user because you're putting the game on when half America is working. The other half is just finishing up. I just, I hate it. I, I, I don't understand why it couldn't have been five or 5.30, which you see a lot of the uh, college basketball teams do, where why couldn't it have been 5.30? So it's just a complaint. I'll complain about it probably until the game actually happens. All right. Oh, God, I, I have a ton of Bucks stuff today, uh, which is cool. I, I think it's always nice to talk about the Bucks, Sands Mitch. The last thing I have uh, with the ringer, uh, which I respect, I like, look, I know we had the joke about, oh, guys are talking like they want to be on Bill Simmons' podcast. Look, I, I would be on Bill Simmons' podcast tomorrow if he asks. Like, I, like, whatever you need to do. You need to tape it at fucking 2 a.m. in the morning. Like, I am there. 
Bill Simmons is a guy I look up to. He is a absolute mentor that doesn't know he's a mentor. Like I, I really admire all that he's done uh, and have for a very, very long time. That said, to put Giannis Antetokounmpo fourth in your NBA ringer rankings is absolute horseshit. It is an absolute disrespect to Giannis. It's a disrespect to the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a disrespect to basketball, honestly. They should be embarrassed. Bill, who said, oh, I ranked him second. Ryan Rossello, who's as smart as anybody in the NBA, should be embarrassed. They, they're just not watching basketball. They're just not watching Bucks basketball. And look, I get it. You've seen it a lot. But guess what? This is a different version of Giannis Antetokounmpo. To have that man fourth behind Joel Embiid, who's done nothing in the playoffs, who, yes, has improved under Nick Nurse, but it, are the Sixers really lighting the world on fire? Sixers weren't in the in-season tournament. How, what type of year has the Sixers had that just is like, oh yeah, they deserve, Embiid deserves to be higher than Giannis. And then Steph Curry's there. And in a time where the, the Warriors kind of look dysfunctional without being dysfunctional, like how, how is that possible? And I just think that they want to pretend the Bucks don't exist. And we're going to have to do everything we can to make sure that that's not going to fucking happen. All right, let's now move on to the Green Bay Packers. I'm finally ready. Green Bay Packers. So I'm really worried about a hangover game on Monday. I'm going to get ahead of it right now. And it's Wednesday to play the Giants. Tommy DeVito is going to be the starter. Uh, so we'll have a bunch of Italian puns, probably from Monday Night Football. I'm, I'm getting increasingly worried about this game. Because everybody's blowing smoke up a Packers' ass. And they're a young team. And when you're a young team and you're getting smoke blown up your ass, usually what happens is the next week you kind of stumble. And you kind of fall off the wagon. And I just worry that a Giants team who's looked competent, a running back in Saquon Barkley that's about as good as anybody, and Pacheco just ran for 110, and Barkley easily could do that against this Packer defense, which is very porous against the run. And Wick Markdale, who dials up blitzes all the time. Now, granted, Jordan Love has kind of adjusted to the blitz issue that he had earlier this season. But still, it, it's, it's a challenge. It's an uphill climb. And I think you're going to know right away if Green Bay is in the fight still and that they are focused or if this is just going to be an absolute slog and you have to survive maybe with a Carlson field goal at the end to win 17-14 in, in MetLife. I, I, can, I can see it going one way where it's just, yeah, the Packers are handling their shit they're standing on business, as the kids like to say these days. Uh, and they they just get it done. They just figure it out. But the other side is they just let the Giants hang around, hang around, hang around. And they need something at the end to win it. And that that part scares me. Because then you just, it's kind of all, you throw everything out the window. And Tommy DeVito has done enough. And it's really important that the Packers sort of silence him to the best that they can because yeah it's the all the Jordan Love stuff it's the because like Jordan Love's been like, I think Bill Barnwell said today yesterday had a thing where he's like 
Jordan Love had one of the most impressive performances that we've seen all year. And I think it was, I think he used EPA to kind of justify that. But I mean, everybody's all in on Jordan Love now. So everybody is putting their eggs in a Jordan Love basket, believe the Packers have a guy. And I'm talking more nationally. I think locally, that's okay to feel that way. You just beat the Chiefs and the Lions in back-to-back weeks. But that's again where this letdown spot kind of hangs. And I am... I overthink letdown spots. I think letdown spots happen more often than they probably do, where I can kind of identify, okay, here's a situation where they might stub their toe. Now, they are professionals, but I, I go back to this, their young team. They don't, they haven't really experienced this. So are they going to be able to not necessarily take the rat poison? Like if Matt LaFleur was smart, he would do the Saban thing and put rat traps all over the locker room and just say, do not take the bait. Do not believe that you're better than what your record is. You did lose six times this season. That has happened. And I think the Packers, you know, what happens when they're not in control to start the game? That's been a really fascinating development the last two weeks is Green Bay has grabbed control from the game almost instantly. And when the lot even when the Lions scored right away after that it was 7-7, you're like, oh my God, shootout, here we go. Packers go right back down the field and score. And it was 14-7 and they never look back. I'm just worried that what happens if the Giants get a turnover early on Love? And I know Love has been really good with the ball, but I'm just hypothetical. They get up 3-0. Then they stall out. Saquon breaks a big run. It's 10-0. How do the Packers respond to that? Especially in this, I, we're just going through the motions. We're already here. I, I worry about that sort of part of this, this game on, on, on Monday because I, I just think there's a real opportunity for it. I'd be happy to be wrong. I'm not going to pick against the Packers. I'm just saying it's, it's sort of setting up that way. And I'm just a bit nervous that New York's going to come in there and win. And then we have to kind of take a step back. And we're all saying like, okay, we overreacted. This is still a young football team. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. Because that's what we'll say on Tuesday. And we'll sort of revert kind of our thinking and our, our feeling. But it would be great if Green Bay just completely blows by it. And, and Green Bay says, all right, no, fuck it. We're, we're not worried about a hangover. We're one of the best teams in football. We're playing our best football at, our, at the time and we didn't take the bait. I do think it helps that it's a primetime game, weirdly. Um, I think because you know all eyes are on you. I think that matters. But I also think that drives the hype up. Like you've had three straight primetime games, essentially, counting Thanksgiving. I know it's not, it was at 11, but everybody's watching. Then you have the Chiefs, now you have the Giants. And so everyone's really got their opinions about Jordan Love. And if he goes out and beats the Giants, let's just say 35 to 10 or something like that, it's going to be absolute madness. There's going to be Jordan Love MVP conversations probably being had. There's going to be, can the Packers win the division? More on that in a second here. But I just, I don't know if that's what I see for this game. Maybe as I get closer, I'll talk myself into the Packers beating up this team. The Giants, by all advanced metrics, are really fucking bad. And yes, they they beat Washington. And they beat who they who's the other team they beat? Is it the Jets? Is that the Jets that they beat? Like they 
they have had a couple wins under the belt, and I think that's why you know you're a little worried. And Dayball's a good coach. He faced the Packers last year, kind of as the Giants were rising up, and so they they're familiar, you know, with some of the bones of this Packers team. Yeah, they beat the Patriots. Sorry. So to to argue against right to be like Charlie, maybe you're maybe you're just a little nuts here. They got blown out by the Cowboys both times they played. I'm not going to throw... i throw out that Raider game. The Bills game, they had to make it into a rock fight and they lost at the last second. And that was a totally different quarterback, right? You didn't have... You didn't have uh, Tommy DeVito in that one. Miami, they got blown out. The Giant, the Seattle Seahawks, which was also on Monday night, blown out. The San Francisco 49ers, I almost called the Giants, blown out. So when they've played like good to semi-good teams, it has been a blowout. So maybe the hangover doesn't happen, but it, football's, football's a weird sport. The NFL is a weird sport. I would have never believed in however many years I've been on this earth that Jake Browning would come through and have this unbelievable performance on Monday Night Football to beat the Jaguars at home. Now, Grant, Trevor Lawrence is hurt. Yeah, maybe it's a little different, but... Now, all of a sudden, Cincinnati's right in the playoff race again. So you just never know in the NFL. So let's hope that the Packers have had their Alka-Seltzer, they've had their Excedrin, they've got a J.O. in, and they avoid the hangover. All right, last thing. Uh, Packer playoff simulator back. I've done this, gosh, uh, pretty much uh, last few few years i wouldn't say it's every week sometimes it's schedule dependent right but we take a look at the packer playoff simulator and i kind of map out what i think might happen and it's not perfect i am a little biased i'll admit and i did decided this time around i'm not going to probably do it every week but i decided to do a best case worst case because the best case is a real situation that could happen that i don't think a lot of people are talking about the Detroit Lions could lose the division and the Green Bay Packers could win it and we could have a wild card round in Lambeau against the Detroit Lions, which I would love to see if Lions fans actually make the trek out in December or January, excuse me. Uh, it's it's possible. They just lost to Lee McNeil, their defensive tackle, but it has to start this week with Jared Goff in the cold against Chicago. Jared Goff in cold weather has not necessarily been great. Now, he was good against the Packers last year. But I feel like that was peak Jared Goff. That was when Jared Goff was absolutely sailing. Jared Goff's had turnover issues. The Bears have defensively have gotten actually a lot better. Couldn't you see Chicago winning that game, which then they would weirdly be in the playoff race, if that would be the case. But couldn't you see Chicago winning that game in Chicago? So they do that. And the Packers win, and they, they stay the course. All of a sudden, the door starts creaking open a little bit. Then you add to the fact that they play the Minnesota Vikings, also on the road. Now, they've done well against the Vikings. Um, it's been shootouts between those two teams. But let's say the Vikings, desperate for a win, knowing they have the Packers the following week, they get a win. So if the Packers hold their water, it comes down to that Minnesota game. And if you win the Minnesota game, you might have the division because Detroit has to play Dallas in Dallas. So there, there's all that set it up for the Packers. And I think it could happen. I, I really do. 
Like, I, I, I think this Bears team is a little better than people make it out to be. I think that Minnesota could win. I think the Minnesota one's weirdly the linchpin for both teams, weirdly. It's like, I could see that game going either way, but I probably favor Detroit. I could see the Packers and Vikings going either way, but I probably favor us. I think the Vikings are such a wild card, no pun intended, because you just don't know how good Josh Dobbs or what Josh Dobbs has left. Or if they go with Nick Mullins or they go with Jaron Hall. Like, we kind of don't know what Minnesota is after a really rough game against the Chicago Bears. So that the playoffs there, for those who be curious, and I'll try to keep track of this, how it changes week to week, because obviously I'm going to be wrong about some of the games that I quote-unquote predicted. Niners as the overall number one seed, Eagles, Seahawks, Packers, Lions in Green Bay, and Falcons, Cowboys. And so I would guess, oh, we'll go through all of them and I'll guess the TV. Because I always like guessing the TV time slot, but everything is just so fucked because we have to placate every possible media partner. And we have a game on Peacock this year, which I don't even want to know what I might have to do if that game's on Peacock. Well, I probably have to invite my parents over. Like, I'm not going to leave my parents out in the cold and I'll get Peacock for, for the good of the people, which is the second Saturday night. So Saturday night game has kind of been irrelevant. Like that's the, NBC is going to have the 3.30 game and it's going to be a lead in to Peacock. So, and it looks like that's kind of, denigrated a little bit like I don't know who has the first pick I, I always am fascinated by it but anyways those are the three series in the NFC or three matchups in the NFC the AFC I have the Ravens as the number one overall seed the Chiefs actually in the two seed uh, playing the Browns Miami Houston and Jacksonville Indianapolis so Jacksonville Indianapolis is easily your NBC game at 330 like lock that in I could see Either Chiefs and Browns getting a bunch of Chiefs fans and a bunch of Browns fans to sign up for Peacock. I could see Packers Lions. I could see Falcons Cowboys. Probably Falcons Cowboys after the streaming numbers that Prime put up. I could definitely see Falcons Lions. I could see Packers Lions as your Monday night. Uh, and they do that as a Monday night game. Uh, but we'll have to see, man. It'll be be interesting. I did play out like a worst case scenario. Like I said, I'm not doing it again. Where the Packers, I, I did play out the one loss hungover spot. Uh, to lose to the Giants this week. And the Packers would play the Lions, except to obviously be in Detroit. The Packers went on to lose Minnesota, and Minnesota righted the ship. So basically both NFC North teams get in, uh, and the Packers don't lose this weekend. It'd be Packers-Eagles. It's really hard to see the Packers getting in with eight losses. I think seven's going to be the max. It, you need the Seahawks to not beat the Eagles. I just worry the Seahawks are going to look at that Philly game as kind of like a kitchen sink game. And, I mean, again, we got a few weeks to go. It could change. Somebody could get hurt. But I just, I wonder if that's, to, again, another, like, quote-unquote linchpin of how this all plays out. So we'll see. Uh, we'll kind of talk rooting guides on, on Friday's show uh, and make sure everybody knows who you got to cheer for. One of the teams is going to be the Bears. got to cheer for the Bears. So... Uh, and that's, I think that's been back-to-back weeks, right? Or, well, yeah, when they play the Vikings, they didn't play this week, but you get my point. All right, that does it for today's show. We'll back tomorrow. We're just going to do Marquette unless something comes across the wire worth talking about. Um, so we're just going to do Marquette. Uh, so that's our fifth show of the week next on 
uh, tomorrow, and then we'll do Bucks Pacers uh, in season for Friday. We'll get ready for. I, I think that'll be kind of it, Bucks Pacers. We'll do that as a larger thing, and then because I was like, oh, we could talk about the Packers. We could do it, maybe talk a little Packer Giants, like betting lines and things like that, and do something else for Monday. So stay tuned there. Have a good one, and we'll see you then. All right, take care. Bye.